Welcome to the Seek Podcast. We are so glad you're here. I'm Erin Falbo, your host for this season. Each week, we're sharing content that dives into the heart of the gospel, who God is, who we are, and what it means to live in relationship with Him. We're excited to walk with you as you encounter the Lord. In this episode, Tina Augustine talks about the spiritual life and how to prepare for what the Lord has for us through Acts 2.42. What a joy to just get to be with you all today, near and far, around the world and around our country. Let's open with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we place our life into your hands. We place our life into your hands on this day, this week, this month. Lord, we pray that this experience of Seek 22 will be a deep and profound place of encounter, that as we return home to our parishes, our Newman centers, our communities, that we will continue to encounter you, Lord, and your Holy Spirit and your Son, Jesus. We ask all of this in your most holy name. Amen. Amen. So, at the end of Matthew, chapter 28, we have the ascension of Jesus into heaven. Now, I've prayed with this often, and I've wondered what it was like for the apostles when Jesus is ascending into heaven, because they were with him during his life, and then they watched him die on the cross, and through death, he, after his resurrection, he appeared to them and continued to appear to them until it was time for him to return home to the Father. And I imagine that they're watching his resurrection, and then they turn to each other and they're like, so what do we do now? Because I think that there in the spiritual life, we can get to places where we look around and we say, what are we supposed to do now? And I have been a mom for almost five years. And something that I have come to learn in these five years of being a parent is that there are a lot of similarities between the spiritual life and the parenting life. And if you have a family, if you have children, you're gonna know what I mean by this. If you're engaged to be married, I hope this advice helps you. If you um, have pursued and you're dating somebody and you've discerned the vocation of marriage, maybe the sight of small children frightens you. But there is something in parenting where the only way to prepare for really having a child is by having a child. And what I mean by that is when my husband and I were living in Austria, we were having our first baby, Ignacio. And the day he was born, it was a really long, hot June day in Austria, no air conditioning in the hospital. And finally, at six o'clock at night, they placed this baby in my arms. And I'm holding him, and he's a miracle. And I'm looking at him in wonder and awe. And my midwife, who had been with me all day, she had never left my side, she takes me from the delivery room, and she wheels me to the room where I'm gonna stay that night. And she turns to me and she like shows me the bed. She kind of tucks me in and gets me settled. And then she turns to me and she says, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. To which I looked at her and I said, you're leaving me? What do I do? Because I think a lot of first time parents are holding their baby and they're playing this scenario like, oh my gosh, I have to keep you alive. Where's the manual? Can I get the manual, please? And the thing is that for centuries, for thousands of years, people have raised their families in community. They have raised their families in villages and in communities. And that too is the same in our spiritual life. You see in the story of Acts chapter two, the disciples actually did know what to do because Jesus gave them instructions. He said, go into the city and pray and wait for my spirit to descend upon you. So they prayed for nine days and on the 10th day, the Holy Spirit descends upon them, the feast of Pentecost. And they're in the upper room and they're waiting and 
as the Holy Spirit is coming, um, it, you know, the loud, the rumbling, the rushing wind, tongues of fire, and the disciples begin to speak in languages that were not their own. And they begin to understand languages that were not their own. And the faithful Jews in the city, they say, how can these men speak these languages? And how do they understand? And yet some people begin mocking them. They say, for they must be drunk. And St. Peter stands up, and for about 30 verses, we have this speech of St. Peter at Pentecost, where he is proclaiming who Christ is. He is proclaiming who Christ is in his own life and what he has done for him. And in the crowd, thousands of people have gathered now, and they're listening to Peter's speech, and people are cut to the heart. And they ask him, Peter, what shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized. So that day, 3,000 people believed, repented, and were baptized into the faith. And I think in our faith, um, the, the, similar to parenting, where no one just hands you a book and says, great, this is how you do it. Uh, our faith is the same way. We don't just hand people a book and say, this is how you become a Christian. But actually, we do do that. And that's the mistake that we make in our churches, in our parishes, our communities. We give people a resource. We have them come to a class. And then we wish them on their way and we say, good luck. Hope you figure it out. Because being a Christian and growing in our Christian faith is not something that you can learn just by reading a book. You need to walk with people. You need to be accompanied. You need to have community and friendship and fellowship and mentorship in the journey of our Christian faith. You cannot just figure it out and live a faithful life on your own. So today, as we're leaving this conference, and as maybe we have experienced profound things from the Lord, I want to invite you to find those friends, to find community around you. And it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. If you are in college and you are realizing that you want to live a chaste relationship with your boyfriend and girlfriend, but the people around you are still sleeping around with their boyfriends and girlfriends, it will not be easy. And if you're a young adult and you're trying to form habits of prayer and to stop getting drunk on the weekends, and the people around you are continuing to do those things, it will not be easy. And if you're a young family and you're trying to raise your kids in the faith and you have no other faithful families around you, it will not be easy. And if you're married to your spouse and you're trying to love your spouse, spouse as Christ loved his church, but you have no other faithful Christian couples or friends around you, it will not be easy because we are not meant to walk alone. We are meant to walk in community with one another. We're meant to have friends in the journey, and these friends should want the same things that we want. They should want to live a virtuous life if we too are trying to live a virtuous life. So we actually need to look for these people. And men, you need to look for other men in your life to accompany you. And women, you need to look for other women in your life to accompany you. You're not meant, we are not meant to do this alone. So after Pentecost, the next verse, Acts 2.42, after thousands of people give their lives to become Christians and they're baptized on this day, what did the disciples do? What did they do to walk with all of these new Christians? It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now I just want to go over a four, those four aspects because these four aspects are the ways in which we will grow in our holiness. They're the ways in which we will grow in our holiness with Christ starting today. And it doesn't matter where you are. Maybe you have encountered Christ years ago 
and he's stirring up something in your heart. These four aspects, you can always go deeper. You can always grow with the Lord and with others in these ways. So the first one is they adhere to the apostles' teaching. Now, when I was in college, um, I was in a time in my life, my junior year, and I was really wrestling with a desire that I knew the way I was living wasn't how God wanted me to live. So at that time, I joined a group of women on Saturday mornings. There was a breakfast that we would have at the missionary's house, the girl missionary's house, and we were reading a book um, about theology of the body. We were reading about relationships and love and sexuality. And I didn't join this group because I was friends with these women. I became friends with these women through this group. Because you see, after meeting for weeks and weeks and weeks, our friendship grew because we weren't just sitting there in a lecture. We were discussing things in our lives. We were sharing life. And then throughout the week, we would get together and we would do things. And over that period of time, my, um, my life continued to change and my desires continued to change and the Lord was just knocking on my heart. And the next summer, it was the summer of 2011, I went to World Youth Day in Madrid, Spain. And there had a profound encounter with the Lord where he really knocked on my heart to come and know him. And I think that small group of women, uh, those relationships continue to allow my heart to desire to know Christ and to have those relationships, to have those friends to walk alongside. Now, the second thing is the disciples and the apostles, they lived in fellowship. I think fellowship can be the easiest aspect of Christian life, and I think it can be the hardest aspect of Christian life, because we can go to a lot of social gatherings, but that is not fellowship. Fellowship is really entering into the life of people around us, into the life of people in our communities. It's really bringing those things that are messy and the not perfect part of ourselves into those relationships. So you can go to a social gathering at your parish, you can go to a social gathering at your Newman Center, a game night, but we shouldn't limit our fellowship to just those things. We should actually get to know people in their prayer and get to know how they're walking with the Lord. That will strengthen our fellowship. It will strengthen our relationship with the Lord. And I think some of my favorite memories of fellowship is our first year we lived in Germany. We moved there, we were new to the community, and our dear friends, David and Linda, hosted a brunch Sunday mornings at their house after Mass and anyone could come. So we would go to Mass, we'd invite families we knew, we would invite students from the university, the seminarians from the city were there, anyone could come, and we were teaching people life skills, how to make American pancakes and bacon. Life <laughs> skills, it was, and when people walked in the door, it wasn't like they were welcomed with a red carpet, it was like, great, you're here, you're on setting the table duty, you're on pancake duty, you're on bacon duty, you're playing with the kids. Everyone had a job, but people loved it. And people knew they could come, they could stay for an hour and then they could leave, or they stayed for a few hours. And some people stayed all day and we had to kick them out at night. It was like, we're time to, time to go to bed, please leave. And this time of fellowship was beautiful because people didn't just grow in this social breakfast club on Sundays. Then they started entering into the same Bible studies. So they were actually growing in their faith together. And they started doing things on the weekends without us. But this place of fellowship provided a space that we could just have fun and enjoy breakfast on a Sunday morning. I mean, Jesus had breakfast with his apostles. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's definitely good enough for me. That's all I gotta say. The next thing is the mass, the breaking of the bread. In scripture, when the apostles are talking about they, they adhered and they devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread, that is the mass. And we truly believe when we go to mass, Jesus is with us. He is present. We are receiving him in the Eucharist. He can change our lives. 
And the habit of going to Mass, many people grow up, we go to Mass on the weekends. We fulfill our obligation. Now, if you're going to Mass one time a week, I invite you to add another time in your week to go to Mass. Seven days a week might be a little overwhelming, but start with one. And I think that we have the experience, many of you probably have had this, you can go to Mass and you can see the same people at Mass for days, for months, for years, and you could recognize them by what they look like or who their family is, and you could not know them. But we are meant to know the people we go to Mass with. We're actually meant to have community with the people around us. Now, our family is new to our parish out in California, and um, our kids, we've been going to daily Mass. So on Sundays, when we go to you know, Sunday Mass, our kids are pretty reverent. They're four and a half and two and a half. And our older one, Ignacio, he's pretty reverent. He really, I think, pulls into the, the German and Irish heritage of our family. And he's like kind of squeamish, and occasionally you'll get the, Mommy, why is this Mass so long? And it's like, Ignacio, this is Sunday Mass. It's a feast day. We get donuts. Jesus is here. But Hugo, our little one, he's still learning. And he, I think, really just plugs into the Latino side of our heritage because at every song that plays, he is ready to dance. So it's like, Alleluia. And we're like, Hugo, Hugo, hands together, hands together. And we have to teach him reverence, but he just can't help it. But other families have, I, our family is definitely not flying under the radar at Sunday Mass, let's just say. Um, other families have said, oh, we recognize you. You got the kids, the little one that likes to dance. And I'm like, that's us. That's exactly us. But it's provided an opportunity to actually meet the people at our parish and for our children to just express themselves in a way of love and a way of how Jesus is speaking to them. And I, I really just invite you to get to know the people who you're going to Mass with. And if you need a friend, if you need someone for accountability on Sundays to go to Mass with at your Newman Center, find a friend to go with. Whether it's someone you live with, whether it's someone from your Newman Center. And I think as our family life, people who have children, their lives get very, very busy but find a parish, devote yourself to a local parish, pick one place to be your community. I think we can hop around so often and our lives are very busy and it's easy just to um, pick something that works with our schedule. I invite you and I challenge you, find a community where you can plant your roots, where you can actually know the people around you so that it's not just a face of someone that you know for 15 years by how they look and what color their hair is, but you're actually encountering the people in the pews next to you. We are meant to know the people around us. And lastly, prayer. When I had that experience of World Youth Day in 2015, I remember sitting in a chapel, and after I had been in this small group, this Bible study for about a year, and I just said to the Lord, you know, Lord, I know that you desire greater things for my life. And at that moment, I heard so clearly, one night late in the chapel, he just said, Tina, give me your heart. And I knew in ways I had to give over my heart and my life to Christ that I had not done before. And I knew for me it was forming a habit of prayer. I had never formed a habit of prayer. So that year, my friend Caitlin and I would meet at the chapel. And we were seniors and we both were teaching majors. So in education, you have your student teaching towards the end of your studies. And it's a really hectic time of your studies. But every single day, we would go to that chapel and we would pray. And you know what? It was a very basic chapel. It was not adoration. It was Jesus in the tabernacle in a humble brick chapel in Connecticut. It was nothing beautiful, but my heart changed there. 
After praying for a year, every single day, the accountability of her friendship was something I needed. I was not strong enough to do this on my own. And now as our family has yeah, lived in three countries in the last five years, this is something we still struggle with, that forming these habits, my husband and I will often check in, you know, if we're in a place of sort of a funk with the Lord, we just have to check in with ourselves. And we look and we're saying, are we living in a place of community? Do we have friends around us? Do we have other couples, other families, other friends that are challenging us in these ways? And when we don't, it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder as a woman who has given my life to Christ and as a missionary, it's really hard still to this day. So no matter where you are in your faith journey, no matter where the Lord has called you and what he's putting on your heart, like Father Josh said the other night, it doesn't just get easier. Sometimes it actually does get more challenging. But the reality is we were meant to live in community. We were meant to have these friendships, to grow with one another. And these four aspects that the apostles lived out of allow us to encounter Christ, but they also allow us to encounter one another. Because how sad would it be to walk in our journey with Jesus, but to not have anyone else around us. And so to close, I, I challenge you, I invite you to just pray. What are the habits that the Lord is calling you to? What are ways in which you can grow closer to him today, tomorrow, and each day forward, very small steps. I'm currently accompanying a group, a group of people in our parish who are returning to the Catholic faith. And I love this group of people. There's 10 people we meet every week. And the age of the people in the group ranges from 25 to about 75. And these are people who have been deeply wounded by the church, by scandal in the church, personally wounded. They're people who have left the church for confusion and for um, feeling isolated from their communities. And as we're discussing just what the church is and who the church is, and the fact that they desire to come back, but they have all these questions, we're often brought back to these four things. We're challenging them on these four things. And the, the topic of community has come up a lot. They all have said, you know, we want to grow with God, but we don't know how, and we want community, but what does that look like? Guys, this is how we're going to do that. These four ways, when the people around us are challenging us and growing with us, that will be our community. And it's not something that will just change you today, it's not something that will just change you tomorrow. It's something that will change your life and it could change the trajectory of your vocation. That in 10 years, you might live to be a different person than you are today because the habits you adopted in your life. So I invite you today. How are you going to grow? Thanks for listening, friends. To hear more content from speakers like this, join us for Seek 24 in St. Louis, January 1st through the 5th. Visit seek.focus.org to learn more.